Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. This is Liz Booker with the Literary Aviatrix Waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation. This one is from Season 2, Episode 13, in my interview with animal rescue volunteer and airline pilot Erin Murphy about her book, Halfway Home. I want to know more about you. I know you're an airline pilot, but that's about all I know. What was your path to aviation? And tell me about your career. Okay, sure. I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and my love of aviation began right there with their air show. Uh, As a child, I would run outside as I saw the airplanes even flying in for the air show one or two days prior. It was literally a a thing. Like I would knock a fork off the table as I was running out. I was very animated. (laughs) So it was very clear to my parents, uh, we're going to be going to some air shows with this child. So they were wonderful and always took me. And I mean, they could really just sense that my interest was beyond enthusiasm. So my father had, um, through a friend of a friend, found someone who taught some lessons at the local airport. So at 14, I began flying and my parents did not have a lot of financial means, but uh, fortunately they were great guides for me and helped me orchestrate a plan. So I started to save my babysitting money and would take the lesson once a month, and that progressed to McDonald's, restaurant hostess. And so I did solo at age 16. Uh, the day after I came home for, excuse me, from uh, Aviation Challenge Space Camp in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, so I came home from Huntsville, which was a great experience. And um, a week later, I did my first solo flight at 16. And then I started to kind of, I couldn't keep up with the, the cost of the solo cross, cross countries. And I discussed that with my parents and my instructor at the time. And he said, well, let's just, you know, keep you interested here. And let's just still continue with maybe a once a month lesson. And then we decided that I was going to pursue it in school and college. So I decided to just save my money towards that rather than, um, you know, try to keep up with the cross cross country stuff in my private pilot license. So I did still continue to fly but it was just more leisurely without a specific goal in mind, um, which was great because then when I went to college at Daniel Webster College in uh, Nashville, New Hampshire, I, I I still was current, you know, with everything. I just I knew I'd have to test out a lot out of a lot of their uh, curriculum anyway. So, again, it was more of a financial thing for me. I was really counting every penny. So I did attend Daniel Webster College and I have a degree in flight operations from there. And I loved their curriculum because they integrated 
uh, motor gliders and cap 10 Bs. So I got to uh, receive instruction in aerobatics and then I went on to flight instruct there upon graduation. So I do have my CFI in motor gliders and I did just do a little bit of instructing, only about 100 hours in the cap 10 B. And they, they used to buy the um, French Connections um, aircraft when they were through with those. So that was always fun. Sometimes we would, as instructors, we would raise our hand to try to get be selected to go down to Florida to fly up one of the cap tents. So I did get to do that once. Um, and then when I was a flight instructor in college, another woman who was a pilot really got intrigued with the Air Race Classic. I had no idea what that was. And no one in my family flew. I had zero point of reference of anything aviation. I just knew that I was interested in flying. So she said, do you want to do this air race with me over the summer when we don't have a lot of students? <laughs> you know, I am volunteering at this year's air, air race. Oh, classic. I didn't know anything about it for years in my flying career either. Mm-hmm. And I, it's something that I would love to do, but I thought, well, I'll just go volunteer to yeah. get like the back end. I call it research for yes. my writing. That's so cool that you did that. Oh, Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually even just right on my desk here. So here's my completion <laughs> trophy from the Air Race Classic. So we started in Tucson and then we cool. ended up in uh, Hyannis, Massachusetts, which was great because I had family in um, Hyannis, Massachusetts. So I ha- and then that was only about an hour from Daniel Webster College. So some of the professors and teachers came down. It was a really small, um, intimate setting at Daniel Webster. And so uh, everyone knew each other, like our professors would have students over for cookouts. Um, so it was a real nice family aviation setting. But I'm, I'm really sorry that that school has, has since closed down, but it was a great experience. Oh, no, that's so sad. Yeah. So how did you get to the airlines? So I got to the airlines with zero intent on going to the airlines. Once I had done, um, Flight instruction, I flew with an airplane I just absolutely flew, fell in love with, and is featured in Halfway Home, the Pilatus PC-12. I flew for a fractional called Plain Sense slash Alpha Flying. They do both wholesale and fractional flying for um, private individuals. And I flew there for two years. 9-11 happened then. I was a little bit confused on what my path was going to be. And I have to say, Liz, every time I flew somewhere... Even flight instructing, my attitude in my head was, if I just like this, this this is where I'm going to stay. And so I approached every job like that. I never had a job where I felt like I was trying to use that job to get to another job. I just sort of embraced it. I didn't, like I said, I had no point of reference. I didn't have an airline elder in my life or a corporate elder in my life saying, oh, well, this offer, this job path offers you X, Y, and Z. I just knew I wanted to fly and wherever that took me, I just felt like I was going to know when I got there. All to say, every job that I got, I started to get itchy. <laughs> I At the flight instruction, I just started to crave professionalism. What is that all about? So then that led me to the Pilatus. And then after 9-11 happened, I was a little bit uncertain. And I did go to the Women in Aviation Conference in Nashville um, shortly thereafter to kind of just get some direction, see what was happening. Is anything happening? Am I staying flying a Pilatus forever? Which would not have been horrible to me at that in my frame of mind at that time. And I just got some more information there. And I just started to kind of look around. And it was, again, it was that 
what I would describe as I just started to crave more standard operating procedures. It was cool and I'll jump in in the Pilates, but you know, sometimes we would fly with someone else and sometimes we didn't. And when there's not a lot of set guidelines, it can get clumsy, right? You know, that has been an interesting um, new world to me, flying general aviation, because in the military, we are very standardized. And so I have a very set expectation when I get in an aircraft of how, you know, the crew resource management is going to go and the kind of communications that are going to happen. And my, my expectations are never met when I fly with another yes. civilian pilot. I'm like, yes. what are we doing right now? <laughs> yes. And I can even remember one of my college professors teaching a, a CRM career service management course that I took in school. So it's like a whole semester long. And at the end of it, uh, we, you know, he, we went through all these different human factors scenarios and we're constantly having conversation about different personalities. And he was trying to explain why psychology was a requirement for us to take, even though we were graduating with a flight operations degree, because of course, all of us 18 year olds are rolling our eyes. Like we just want to fly. Why do we have to take these courses? And he ended it by saying, I just, so you're going to start to embark on your own career. And I want to tell you from my experience, and he flew in the Navy uh, for many, many years. He goes, when I flew with someone else, the number of people that I felt like I was 100% in sync with their thinking, their planning is one. And he goes, and it was myself. He goes, it's always different. It's always a challenge. And um, I started to feel that at the, at plain sense, it was a great company. I loved the airplane, but I started to crave a little bit more structure.